0: Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at WildwoodChurch.org. Happy Mother's Day! If, if you're a mom and you're with us today, I just want to say Happy Mother's Day to you. I am somebody that has benefited tremendously from uh, from moms in my life. Uh, the Lord gave me a wonderful mother. Um, my, uh I've got a wonderful mother-in-law, I've had great grandmas, uh, my wife is an amazing woman, many of you know her, and I just think about the many blessings that God has given to me through um, these very important women in my life, and so I just am excited about that. I know many of you have a similar story, but as we gather today, I want to just think a little bit about moms, and I don't know if any of you ever watch uh, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. But uh, Jimmy Fallon actually has this, this bit that he does every year around Mother's Day that he calls Mom Quotes. And so what he does is he puts a hashtag out, Mom Quotes, and then he asks people around the world to put in their favorite Mom Quotes. Now, some of you, when I say that, you have a great Mom Quote, something your mom used to say. But I don't know if it sounds anything like these. Let's look at what some of these are. Uh, Misty Fox said this, one morning, my mom asked me if I took a goober home the night before. After thinking about it, I said, mom, do you mean an Uber? (laughs) Mom quotes. Uh, Rochelle said this, instead of LOL, my mom will text OTA, which according to her stands for, oh, that's a hoot. (laughs) Just another great, great mom quote. Um, It's LJ said this, uh, when my mom would drive us kids around, she would break really hard to make us lean forward and then say, bow to mom. (laughs) Hey, y'all can try that today, all right? All right. Here's another one. Uh, my mom made up her own saying in the 90s, talk to the palm because you ain't the mom. All right? <laughs> Again, these are freebies, guys, today. You can take this home and put it into practice. How about this one? One night, my mom told us we were having roast pork for dinner. We asked her what that was, and she said, well, I'm defrosting something from the freezer, and I can't tell if it's beef or pork yet. <laughs> Maybe some of you are having some roast pork for lunch today, but... Uh, and when we think about some of these quotes, and you know, when we think about Mother's Day, it is a time that, that we really, so many of us are celebrating our moms for who they are and for all they do. It's a time of, of rejoicing for us. Um, but you know, I know for others, this day is not just a time of rejoicing. For, for some, this is a hard day. And it's a hard day because it's a reminder of a brokenness that exists from a mom to a child or a child to a mom. And, and today you might be here and there's some, some hard things that you're thinking about. Or it might not be hard, it might be just sad. It might be a really sad day because of empty arms due to, due to infertility or maybe you're mourning the loss of your mother or a mother mourning the loss of a child and so because of that it might be a sad day. You know, I think about all of those different expressions on a day like this and I, I've been told before that people actually re, don't come to church on Mother's Day, some don't, because of the painful and hard things that it might bring up. And you know what, I, I understand that, I, I really do. But as we gather today, I don't want to just share some mom quotes, and I don't want to just focus on motherhood. Today what I want to do is I want us to talk about women, and I want to talk about them from the perspective of what was Jesus' attitude towards women in his earthly ministry. And that's something that all of us need to be reminded of, and all of us need to look around, and something that we will find incredibly encouraging, I believe, as we look at today. You know, oftentimes when we talk about uh, women in the Bible, uh, the first thing that triggers in people's minds are what women are not allowed to do or something about roles. And I wanted to say up front, Wildwood and myself believe that the scriptures do teach complementary roles between men and women. But that understanding of complementary roles between men and women sits on a foundation of something far greater. And Jesus exemplified it. In his earthly life, if you think you're going to look at the gospels and find a lot about the roles that are different between men and women, friends, you would be mistaken. Because inside of the gospels, we see Jesus saying yes to women again and again and again, honoring them, inviting them and including them in everything that he was about. And so today, as we spend our time together, I want to open up God's word together. And we're going to look, this is a fairly ambitious topic. We're going to look at the gospel of Luke. Okay, Uh, we're not going to read all of it, but hopefully we'll read enough of it that you'll get to see a picture of our Savior's heart towards people. And we'll see inside of the Gospel of Luke that from the time Jesus entered the womb of Mary all the way until the tomb was empty, we see Jesus living out a life that was for women to the glory of God. We're going to see that today as we look into God's word together. Now, before we can actually appreciate what is in the gospel of Luke, we need to be reminded of the world in which Jesus came, into which Jesus came. You see, Jesus did not just come into a a time that, that had no context. When Jesus was born, he was born into a world that was impacted by sin in so many ways. And you know what one of those ways was? One of those ways in which the world was impacted by sin was the discrimination that existed into the world in which Jesus came towards women by men. That's the world into which Jesus entered. And when we understand the world into which Jesus came, we will actually better appreciate what we'll see in just a few moments in the Gospel of Luke. Because the world in which Jesus came was a world that was very misogynistic in many, many ways. Here's just a a few things that will maybe help us understand the world to which Jesus came. Josephus, a a famous first century Jewish historian, uh, had this perspective. He said in his writings that the law holds women to be inferior to men in all matters. That was a prominent historian of the first century writing about the culture into which Jesus came. Sirach, who was a Pharisee a couple of hundred years before Jesus was born, said this, he, he saw women as either good wives or as problems. He even says this, Better is the wickedness of a man than a woman who does good. Hard to believe, isn't it? This is the world into which Jesus came. Another Jewish tradition would have... Men praying three times a day, giving a benediction. One of those three prayers they would pray was a time where they would thank God that they were not created a woman. This is the world into which Jesus came. Also, Josephus talks about how in the first century, uh, the testimony of women was inadmissible in court. They weren't considered a reliable witness, a reliable testimony. Now, I know what some of you are thinking Mark, why in the world are you doing this to us on Mother's Day? It's because we need to remember the world into which Jesus came. If we see the black canvas that was there, the light of Christ will shine ever brighter. Friends, Jesus did not come into a contextless society. He came to a world that existed and as he, he stepped into that world stained by sin, his light shone. But we need to be reminded that some 2,000 years later, our world today is still a dark place, isn't it? We think about the mistreatment of women that happens in our world today in different countries around the world where women don't have rights, aren't, don't have the opportunity to be educated, some things like that. We think about even in our country, the, some of the attitudes that exist and And just in the last year, uh, we think of all of the story after story after story about the mistreatment of women in American society today, and and it breaks our hearts. We we see letters posted on blog sites from prominent women uh, Christian leaders talking about the treatment they've had even inside of the church, and it just breaks our heart as we think about the reality of what is going on. We live in a world that has a discrimination problem. But friends, when we remember that context, where do we turn? You know, Even as I bring it up, there, there might be some of you in the room that are, that are feeling a little bit of despair. You're wondering where you can turn, where you can run. Where can you find relief from that kind of treatment? Well, guess where you can find it? Not in the world. You can find it with Jesus. Jesus is the one who is the safe place to run in the face of discrimination and pain and challenge. You see, when Jesus came into the world, he didn't look at the discrimination of the world and get more conservative. He looked at what was happening in the world and he actually was extremely progressive in his treatment of women. And that is the scene, that is the background that we'll look at as we look at how Jesus is for women inside of Luke's gospel. So what do we see inside of his gospel? I want us to see uh, a number of things here. Five different things about, as we survey the gospel of Luke, about women and Jesus' treatment of them. The first thing that I want us to see is this. Women are the first invited to the Christmas party and to Easter brunch. You realize that? They were the first invited to the Christmas party and the first invited to Jesus to, to Easter brunch. Now, I, that's kind of a funny way to say it, but think of the reality of it. Who knew that Jesus had just showed up first? Mary did, right? Luke chapter 1 and 2, Luke begins his gospel with this incredible focus on women. There's more talked about Mary and her experience and Elizabeth and her experience than there is about the men inside of those first two chapters in the infancy narrative of Jesus. It talks about these women. They were the first to know. They were the first to to be able to to get their Christmas list together. Mary could count it down nine months away. She was the first one who could do that. I remember as a kid, I would get all excited about my when the Sears catalog would come because I could circle the things that I wanted to ask for for Christmas. The the first person who got to circle anything excited about knowing the date when Christmas was going to be was Mary. The Lord came first and gave That information to women. And who were the first to find the empty tomb? It wasn't the men, it was the women. Look at what you see back in in Luke chapter 24. These are some verses that we we looked at back on Easter Sunday here, if you were with us. This is, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now, who were these who heard? Verse 10, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them to be an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Who even believed it first? The, The women did. They were the first to know. Now, now here's the thing. When you, when you think about what's, what's happening here, um, think about the world into which Jesus came. How respected was the testimony of women? We just read, what, what did Josephus say? It wasn't even admissible in a court of law, and yet Jesus chose in his sovereign plan, he chose to have women be the first to know of his birth, and he chose women to be the first to see the empty tomb. Now, Why? Is it because God is a terrible planner? The answer to that is an emphatic no. The reason why I believe it unfolded this way is because God wanted to know, wanted everybody to know that women were valued by him. We see it right here. You know, I I think about the implications of this for so many more than just women. But certainly with women. If you have ever felt dismissed because of your gender, go back and read those two passages. If you've ever felt dismissed because of your race, go back and read these passages. Jesus comes in and he says to people who are otherwise dismissed within a culture, I want you to be the first to know. I want you to be the first to know that Christmas is coming. I want you to be the first to tell others that Easter has happened. We see it right there, the first invited. Second thing that I think it's important that we see is this. Women are included in those who are restored by Jesus. They're included in those who are restored. What I mean by that is this. When we think about the miracles that Jesus did, we don't just see him performing miracles to men. We see him performing miracles to men and to women. And Luke in his gospel mentions a number of women who had significant things done to them. One of those was Mary Magdalene who had a number of demons who were oppressing her and Jesus cast out those demons. Luke chapter 8 verse 2 lets us know about that. And the casting out of those demons would have improved the quality of her life absolutely, right? But even beyond that, it would have restored her to community, It would have allowed her the opportunity to be restored to worship with other people. The kindness that Jesus demonstrated to Mary, Mary didn't forget. Mary stuck right by his side the rest of the way of his earthly life and ministry. We see that. In Luke chapter 8 verses 43 through 48, we see the story of a woman who had been bleeding for some 12 years. The story goes like this, it says Jesus went to the, and went along and people were pressing around him and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and she touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased and Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounded you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Friends, what do we, what do we see in that passage? We see Jesus intentionally healing her. It may at first look like an accident, but it was no accident. Jesus knew that his power had had healed her, and he pointed it out, not just for her, but for everyone around to see the dignity and the value that he had in this woman as a child of God. He called her daughter, he gave her back her respect, he restored her to community, he restored her to worship. We see another example like that in Luke chapter 13 with a woman who had been struggling with an illness for 18 years. But again and again and again, we see Jesus restoring. And you know why? Because Jesus is great at restoring. He is fantastic at it. Absolutely fantastic at it. You know, so often in our lives, if we live long enough, we have a pile of regret behind us either through our own doing or just the the cards that have been dealt to us, we have things that we feel like disqualify us from whatever. It might be a divorce. It might be an illness. It might be whatever. But in the midst of those challenges that we experience in life, we have a Savior that turns to us and heals us and restores us and involves us in what He is doing. Jesus' inclusion of women in restoration is A powerful, powerful picture. But you know what? He didn't just include them in restoration. He also included them in discipleship. It's a really fascinating passage that we see in Luke chapter 8, verses 19 through 21, where Jesus' mother and brothers come to visit him. Remember this passage? And it says, Then his mother and his brothers, verse 19 of chapter 8, came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd and he was told your mother and your brothers they're standing outside desiring to see you but jesus answered and said to them my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of god and do it now here's what's significant about that again in a in a world that so devalued women their only real spot was to be a mother and here jesus in his response about his own mother who was i mean The best, right? I mean, she was the mother of Jesus. Not perfect, but I mean, if there was a mom that's going to get some preferential treatment, I mean, let her come towards him. But Jesus makes this statement. Why? What was he saying? He was saying there's something more foundational for everyone than if they are a mom. It's what do they do with me? That's what Jesus says. The primary call in their life is discipleship. It's not just a role as a mom or or as a wife. We see this again if you look at the account of of Mary and Martha. We have Martha doing the traditional role in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, doing the traditional role of preparing the meal for Jesus. But we have Mary sitting at his feet as a disciple would. And what does Jesus say about that interchange? He doesn't say, Mary, why are you not doing this role? He says, "It is wonderful, Mary, that you are sitting at my feet. This is this is better for you to be a follower of me." Jesus included women in discipleship. Friends, this has far-reaching applications for all of us—women and men. You know, for for women, it might be I—you you want to cling to your value in being a mom or or being a wife. Some of those things. Jesus says there's something even more foundational than those things. It's what is your connection to me? It's a foundational question that Jesus has for women. He doesn't ask, can you cook like Reed Drummond? Or can you decorate like Joanna Gaines? He doesn't ask that question. What he says is, are you following me? What are you doing with me? For men, really, it's the same thing, right? Jesus doesn't come and say, how much money do you make? He doesn't come and say, how many accolades do you have? What is your title? The, the primary thing that Jesus comes to each of us and the foundational question of our lives is, are we following him in discipleship? Are we laying down our lives in obedience to him? Are we trusting him for the forgiveness of our sins? Women are included in that discipleship call, just as men are. The next one that we see is women are involved in the ministry of Jesus, they're involved in the ministry of Jesus. That's, it's interesting. We we see from a very early time women, not just Jesus being for women. Certainly, he was. We've we've demonstrated that already. But we also see women being for Jesus. Right, there were some of his first followers with incredible influence. We we see in Luke chapter eight, verses one through three, a group of women who come around him. We see it here. It says, soon afterward. He went on and through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him, and also, not just 12 men, but also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means." The funding of Jesus' earthly ministry in some significant way came through these women, Luke 8, 1 through 3 lets us know. They were involved very early on in significant ministry of Jesus. We we saw this in chapter 24, in verses 4 to 11, in the verses we read earlier at the resurrection, who were the very first evangelists after the resurrection of Jesus. Well, it was the women, right? He said, hey, you know, the the angel said, you go tell the guys who are hiding in the upper room, go tell them what you have seen. Tell them that Jesus is resurrected from the grave. They were given this important role to go and to call. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49 is Luke's rendition of the Great Commission. And in Luke's telling of this story, In the context, it seems clear that both men and women were present when that great commission was given. Friends, we see Jesus involving women and men in his ministry. And you know, I I think about that related to our church. I I think about uh, where Wildwood would be if Jesus didn't involve women also, in service. I mean, so many things. Every time we do anything that is structured or non-structured, God is using women in significant ways in ministry here at Wildwood. I think about this the largest outreach event to our community that we have uh, this year will be our VBS uh, program that's going to be in just a, a few weeks. That will be this, this huge team of volunteers. And the majority of those volunteers are women. Now there'll be men who are involved. I'm involved. Bill, where are you? Bill and I are, are going to be involved. There's going to be others too. But, but here's the thing. Um, I think about where would we be if there weren't women who are leaning in and pouring into the next generation and each other and our community sharing the gospel. We, we see the pattern of Jesus carried on inside of the church even today. What, a, what an awesome thing. If you'd like to hop in, men or women, into that mission, uh, there's an insert in your bulletin today. We still need 35 more, but it's just amazing to see Jesus, including men and women, In ministry. And we don't just see that, friends. We don't just see that happening um, in the ministry of Jesus, but we also see it in Luke's sequel to his gospel in the book of Acts. Luke wrote two books. He wrote the gospel of Luke, and then he wrote the book of Acts. And when he writes the book of Acts, we again see women playing an integral role inside of the ministry of the early church, Uh, We see in Acts chapter 114, there are women in the upper room, when Matthias is selected to replace Judas as one of the twelve, that are gathering with them and praying. There are followers. These women who were at the tomb, no doubt, and others, they were right there with them. Tabitha, Acts chapter 9 and verse 36, was somebody that had a significant ministry in the town of Joppa, and she passed away, and Peter raises her from the dead. Remember that story? But she was a person who was pouring out her life in ministry that was noteworthy. It's recorded in Scripture for everyone to see. We see Mary, the the mother of, of John Mark, in Acts chapter 12 and verse 12, opening up her home, the church met in her house. We see Lydia in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 to 15, the first convert in Europe. That's significant, right outside the city of Philippi. Seemed to be someone that had a significant ministry that followed there. And then in Acts chapter 18, verses 2 through 26, we see the tale of Priscilla and her husband Aquila and their role in equipping Apollos and others for ministry. Friends, we see women being integral to the ministry of the church. And, you know, when I think about um, just today in our church, I I think about how integral the women who are are serving on our staff team here at Wildwood, um, just amazing investments across the board in ministry uh, through Wildwood Community Church. I'm so thankful for that. I think about the partners we have on the mission field who are serving in Mexico and in Bosnia and in the Middle East and in China, women who are pouring out their lives into others' lives in significant ways. I'm just so thankful for how the pattern that is established with Jesus and the church has continued on even until today. Friends, we see Jesus being for women. Now, That's the foundation upon which we should understand Jesus' view of women. It's right from his life. Don't take my word for it. Read the Bible. Read read the gospel of Luke. See these things and more. I think it's interesting that Luke includes more references to women, calls more of them by name than, than the rest of the gospels. Now, why is that? If you were with us back at Christmas time, you know that we had a series that was called Mary's Christmas, and we talked about how Luke gathered his gospel from firsthand accounts. He he says at the beginning of his gospel that he talked to individuals um, and found out about the life of Jesus through those conversations, and then he recorded them inside of his gospel. And so, as Luke is talking to people, including probably Mary, the mother of Jesus, others, he could not tell the story of Jesus without talking about the women who were a part of those following him. That's significant. And so with all of that said, uh, let me just make a couple of concluding comments. The first one is this. If you are a woman and you are here today, I just want to say thank you. And I thank God for you. For the fact that he has created you, for the fact that he has given you as a gift to Wildwood and to Norman and to the surrounding area. To follow him and to serve him in significant ways, I just am so thankful for each of you and I also just just want to say that when we think about women and, and their roles, and again, I believe that the the scriptures and when we get into 1 Timothy chapter 2 and some other places we will see complementary roles both in the home and in the church with men and women playing those roles. But those differentiations of roles must be laid upon the foundation of Jesus' clarification inside of the Gospels. We do that with our understanding of the Sabbath. We do that with our understanding of, of so many of the Old Testament laws and even the New Testament commands. We find their meaning in the life of Jesus. Therefore, we must do the same thing with these other Role clarifications. They must lay on the foundation of Jesus' love, inclusion, and involvement of women in the life of the church. Um, It's a blessing for us to be able to look at this, and hopefully, collectively, we can run to Christ and find hope in Him together. Friends, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for just the privilege of being able to open your word and to read it. Thank you that. Father, even things that we have as preconceived ideas are challenged as we look at the truth of your word. Father, we pray that, that uh, you would well up within us your heart for people, men and women, that we would be a people who would exhibit and follow Christ in faith in all areas, including this one. And Father, I pray that that you would uh, just provide a special blessing on every woman here today. Those for who today is a day of rejoicing, those for whom today is a day of difficulty and challenge, and those for whom today is a sad day, I pray a special blessing from you on each of their lives. Father, we are thankful for them, and we pray that we would all follow you together, even as is pictured in the early church. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.